welcome to the We're All Fucked podcast hosted by me, Derry Owen. And me, Dan's Grace. This is a podcast designed to try and take a light-hearted take on the ridiculousness of society as we know it and wonder how we all find a way to carry on, even though we know deep down we're all fucked. Each episode, we'll be looking at a particular topic, having a laugh and a cry along the way, dragging along a few guests with us for the ride. Remember to rate us and subscribe so you never miss our rounds. Good evening, Dan. How are you, mate? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Can't complain. Are you uh, are you are you alive? I just want to check you I'm, alive. I'm fully fully alive. Unfortunately, right. the uh, perilous <laughs> depths of non-existence have not descended yet. <laughs> well, the reason I asked, not that I was like worried about your existential crisis or anything, but the articles, mate, on BBC News and Sky News about how to deal with this hot weather—it's <laughs> getting me down. We can't, we mo- I know we moan about the weather, but I wonder, like, for, like, a social experiment, if you'd lift, like, the 60 million people who live in the UK and drop them in, like, s- southern Spain, yeah. how, what yeah, percentage yeah. would die? Because I think, according to BBC News analysts, it would be, like, 30%. <laughs> and, you know, the, the bullet points have got things like, drink water, stay in the shade. Well, who's walking around out in, in the sun, not having drunk anything? <laughs> like looking, looking for a tree. You know what I mean? Oh God! So I, mean, anyway. I, I think I think it's sort of playing to the lowest common denominator, isn't it? It's the same. It's the same people that would eat Tide Pods who didn't. I mean, let's be controversial here. Who didn't take the vaccine? You know, we we do have flat earthers in the UK. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. we've we've got people who are concerned about various conspiracy theories. So I don't think it's sort of totally unrealistic to go we might need to tell them to drink water <laughs> i know it's oh it just it angers me and i should stop reading the pissing app anyway to be honest it's absolute bullshit <laughs> and when you actually get the app open and you actually read them and find like the negativity of it you can yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you can see like how oh, it's easy to just get lost in it anyway i i i have uh through my university i've very luckily got a premium subscription to the ft so I my my daily reading is the FT, which is making me feel posh as fuck. <laughs> Has that got a political bias? Um, it's too early to say. I mean, the short answer is yes, obviously. Literally everything has a political bias. But have I sort of overtly got a particular impression so far? Not massively. Yeah, it's not like the Daily Mail or the Express it's, or anything like that. It's more subtle. I mean, may, yeah, maybe like sort of centre-right by default sort of capitalism is basically good status quo i mean it's it's the og of the kind of you know old newspapers isn't it you know it's still sold in a massive broadsheet form it still has the same distinctive color like i I was quite surprised that they had an app i was like oh this is really cool (laughs) yeah to the old man yeah yeah exactly exactly so, uh, yeah, week three, anyway, so my week again this week, and uh, I obviously texted you earlier to say, get ready for this one, because it's, it's going to be heavy, <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> oh, so but, it's not it's not the fact that the weather's hot? No, I don't think it's had an effect on me. It's just okay. a thing, if this is a, a, something I'm passionate about, something, uh, well, I don't know if you're passionate about it, but, and it's linked again to, you know, both of us have worked in the third sector, 
But this week, then, the topic I would like to discuss, uh, and the reason, again, we're all fucked, is regarding loneliness. Oh, Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, I know. I know. That's okay. a bit close to the fucking bone right now. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get you to talk, that normally joking. G- genuinely, no word of a lie, before we came on, I was thinking, like, would it be fucking <laughs> hilarious? If it, no, no, no. What I was thinking is, like, wouldn't it be funny if this was actually just a stitch-up and basically... Jody had asked you to push this so that I wouldn't like I would have some kind of psychological outlook like and actually you're a qualified therapist and I just didn't know and like <laughs> you know we were like working through some fucking issues I'm like rich because somebody has commissioned me secretly for like the five years that I've known yet to therapize <laughs> yeah. oh, you imagine that maybe that's a, that's like a really good film that like the guy thinks it's, it's, I've got all these new mates I'm actually it's, it's, like covert therapists <laughs> well it's, it's basically the Truman Show is it which which when i watched it basically gave me a mental breakdown like you can you can tell how sort of fucked i have i how long i've been fucked in the head by when that film was out because i'm pretty sure that was out in the 90s and like i watched it when it came out in the cinema and at that point i was like oh god but what if well commence abuse for me because i always get these with films but i have i've never watched the truman show please don't Okay. Yeah. So. I I haven't watched it since. It's I remember it being good, and I'm pretty sure it's a Jim Carrey film, and it Jim Carrey, you know, yeah. it's, it's a decent decent guy. But yeah, it'll just make you feel quite fucked about the world. So I mean, maybe maybe as an adult now, I might watch it with a different perspective. But it did it did kind of make made me come away from it feeling like I can't trust anyone. I am all alone. And yeah, that's, a, that's not necessarily very relevant to this. <laughs> very relevant to deeply, this. Deeply, deeply. Uh, thank you for the link. Yeah, but I think um, that this is something that is not talked about enough, and is a chronic issue in today's society. Obviously, we know working the third sector how much of an issue it is with people obviously getting older. Um, but I think it's just like a deep-rooted issue in society. So I wanted to discuss and explore it really. And uh, kind of kind of theories probably about why why it is so um, what's the word prevalent hmm. and and why it's probably designed to be prevalent um, really what what kind of got 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 me kicking off about the idea I didn't just like pick it from anywhere really was I was reading some online internet forums um, about like the recent like gun shootings that have been in America. Okay. And like there was a couple of people on there that was commenting, it was like really interesting stuff. <laughs> and I'm going to read out one of the comments to you because it was like oh, it was amazing. Okay. This this person for me like summarized it fairly niftily. Well, I say niftily, it is quite long, so I may edit some bits out. Cred- but we'll credit, see. credit, credit them, yeah. Well, there is, and it's anonymous. Oh, okay. okay. So I can't Go credit on, them on the on the on the kind of uh, on the post, really. So it, as I say, this is is looking at it from an American perspective, but but certainly, you know, all relevant to us. And it was just basically the article was looking at kind of well, like, well, what is motivating these people to go mm. and bloody do these at the end of the day. So anyway, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it if you don't mind me doing it this way. Yeah, go for it. So it basically said, um, so uh, our society in pursuit of that individualistic goal of gaining money i.e. capital the societal pressures have fractured communities and families into increasingly smaller units to promote competition 
right? So the nuclear family, that is parents and their small children in the household, is a relatively new thing to the human experience. It used to be you lived with several generations under a single roof, and before that, obviously, people lived with clans and tribes, etc. Now, though, we're all broken apart, all right? So a socially adapted species that created a society where socialization and communal living in all its form is either monetized, demonized, or discouraged. So we put our grandparents in homes so we can work and not be bothered with their lives or care. The system drains all their wealth to make sure nothing passes down or as much as possible doesn't pass down. Then without our grandparents to help, childcare falls to strangers in daycares and later in school. This then drains the resources from working parents. We live in neighbourhoods of largely strangers as we try to desperately form those missing connections with lives online. We live alone with a tiny family unit and outsource our literal heritage as a species to strangers so that we can earn money to put into the system that created and perpetuates the lie that everyone must work all the time. Your child must attend school for a work day and then come home with more work to do. When they're a newly minted adult, they're told to leave and join the workforce or go to college and get saddled with immense debt. Our mothers and fathers live in quiet, childless retirement until they're unable to care for themselves and are put away so the system can slowly, inevitably drain the rest of them away. Families have to live in their own homes alone so that their parents and children can go out and buy more homes and, th- and things to fill those homes. The prices go up and up and up, but the pay never does. The pressure builds, and then when it's become impossible to prosper, they do the only thing they can. Buy a gun, lash out, burn bright for a second, and then wither away. Now, I know it's dark, and I know it's dark, right? But I think we have to confront... We might not be able to agree with everything there, but it was just like this person's theory. And when I read that, it just I think it hit me with a ton of bricks because mm. I feel like in my like day to day life, I feel kind of like you know uncomfortable about a lot of stuff. I remember when the kids first went to daycare for hours at a time, and I was just like dropping them off with strangers so I can go off to work. Mm. And you know, obviously we're busy all the things we have to work. We have to work all the time. We, you know, we can't see our friends. It's very difficult to see our friends because we're so busy. And of course, it's true. You know, like society is a case. Well, if you can't make money out of it, like you should, you shouldn't literally be doing it. People tell you, don't they? Like, or whatever your hobby is. If you, if your hobby is something, um, you know, just just use it for for work, and you'll never work a day in your life. Well, no, no, that's a hobby. You know, I, I need that for my mental health. I don't need to make any money from fucking paddleboarding. You know, yeah, yeah, you know yeah, that's something yeah. I actually want to enjoy, and and it just like struck me actually about you know it's hard to unpick it all, but well, I mean, what do you reckon? I know it's a lot to, to I mean, take I, on. Yeah, I mean, I I broadly agree with the majority of this person's sentiment. I wrote grant applications, broadly speaking, on the basis of a summary of what you just read out. Um, like I, I mean, I, I obviously don't have access to those applications anymore, but if I had a better memory, I could literally quote for you a few lines that I wrote in quite a few different grant applications. 
where I was saying how fractured society is and how that leads to people suffering alone and mm-hmm. how, therefore, it's really important to fund those sectors appropriately to be able to provide those services that link communities together and encourage people to join and share and connect in a way that capitalism and the digital age has divided and conquered. Um yeah, because at that point, when you're older, the system's just basically used you, your labour, chewed you out, and, you know, fabricated you in a way. I think mentally yeah. you're, you're in the machine, and it spits you out that other end, and you've just got no one. Look, I think, and also, I think, of course, when, you do, when you're in that middle bit, you've got no one either, because you're so fucking busy having to work to survive. I'm, I'm not sure, sort of, when when this kind of happened. I mean, capitalism has obviously been going on for donkey's years, but... I think I'm almost tempted to say that it's kind of post-industrial age. Like I, I would say sort of my history isn't good enough, but I would say that this has only really started to hit hard post-war. And so therefore we've got people who are now in quite elderly who are feeling who are at the sharp end of this, this effect. And they, when they were growing up, families and communities were genuinely closer mm-hmm. you know i mean I, I think the internet significant effects of the internet have only been around for about 25 30 years yeah maybe a bit less so you know capitalism has obviously had its bigger impact but i think for us a lot of where the problem lies now is how we relate to ourselves through the internet Mm-hmm. and how we relate to each other and i think that's that's kind of for me is like the really interesting bit because you're, you're probably working as a 40 50 60 hours a week you don't have mm-hmm. the time that you'd maybe like or you've got child care and you know everything again that's linked to that comment that really struck a chord with me so it's easy to you because i well yeah you know i'm i'm social because I, i'm on online on social media yeah. you know we know how much of a shit show that is yeah. i'm off social media like i'm not on social media so it's the best thing i've done not cured me of my ills don't get me wrong but it was just like i've found it like such a a, a shit show do you and, do you, you don't have a linkedin do you no no posts on there are not anything like what you'd find on something like instagram say where instagram is ma- about making your life look as positive as possible it's about sort of you know all the filters and all the kind of you know this but really my, kind of weird... Like the limited experience I had of LinkedIn years ago, it was the, the LinkedIn was the same, but it was just from a career perspective more than like a personal perspective. You know, you'd have people who would love to take a photo in a sh- shirt and tie who probably don't work at shirt and tie saying, <laughs> I'm a, you know, a liaison, whatever, you know, person. I, <laughs> I just used to bloody hate it. Out of I it. mean, it, you, you probably, you, you do get a certain amount of that, but I guess because I kind of, I know a lot of the people on there, I think it's just the personality thing. I tend to filter out, like as in not physically filter out, but I recognise the bullshit. And because most of the posts on there are from organisations that I really care about or, you know, people I'm actually interested in what they're up to. Yes, there's the kind of humble brag. But I think that that's a I think LinkedIn is probably the place where it's the least bad or it's the least prevalent. I'd say places like Facebook and Instagram it's yeah. far more like 
it's it's the entire it's almost the entire purpose of it. Well, is it, it is, it? isn't it? Yeah, up. yeah, uh, it is. I did a bit of research on it when I did my masters on um, kind of like the uh, the link between um, like being a a self a high self monitor as like a psychological trait, I, you know, mm. being able to kind of present yourself differently to different audiences. And yeah. how much kind of anxiety you experience if you are that person when you go on social media because all your friends are there and you can't really kind of, you know, you have to be pick a person almost to be on social media. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, again, it does breed loneliness, does it? Because I have, I always hear stories of, of people saying, oh, you know, this, this, especially now that we've got children, I mean, you speak to other parents and some of them are quite honest to say, oh, you know, it's like a parent will will take a photo of like a weekly planner and say, just making the planner for the kids' activities this week. You know, and people post that and thinking, I don't make a plan of my kids and I should be making a plan. You know, it just immediately makes you feel inferior and stuff. So it, and you know, that person might just be taking that and use that as toilet roll immediately afterwards. It doesn't mean that person. <laughs> But it's the same, so we're touching now on social media, and another thing we talk about, well, very linked into loneliness, and the reason, of course, that, you know, capitalism basically wants you to be lonely is my mm. pitch here, my yeah, hypothesis, yeah. because if you are feeling like that and lonely, you will always, well, until you obviously, you know, get a nervous breakdown, uh, you know, you'll always be on that treadmill basically trying to gain, gain more, and you, they can always pitch, well, if you get this service, you'll be fine, or if you get this brand new phone, you'll be cool. So yeah, the whole yeah, system yeah. is is kind of wants to make you feel anxious, because that is the point that, obviously, those adverts are targeted to, you know, say, well, no, no, all you need is this, and you'll be okay if you buy £500 yeah, for this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And look now, Dan, at the state of advertising at the moment. You go on news sites, I sometimes on my phone, <laughs> you go on a news site and there's, there's an article. You can't see the article because there's like three <laughs> adverts. You know those ones? I, well, I mean, I, I know them, but I don't go on them very often. No, um, exactly, yeah. It's, I, I have an ad blocker. I use Chrome as my browser and I've got an ad blocker plugin. So those kind of apps. Um, websites i basically don't get them and i'll i'll see it shows a little number of how many adverts it's blocked and sometimes it's like 11 and so the page that i'm looking at is distinctively different from how the website how the web developers yeah, wanted yeah. me to see it so i mean I, I i i get that i think advertising is sort of probably more pre- prevalent now than it's ever been before and you're right about the kind of capitalism has, has hollowed out a hole inside us and he's selling us stuff to fill that hole. Yeah. But it's not real. None of it's real. And I think oh, no. that's that sort of oh I've started I'm get I've this is it's I'm worried that like I'm not I'm not gonna suddenly start being an incredibly happy person. Don't don't worry about that. I'll still always <laughs> be this uh, slightly cynical, oh god, what is the point in the world uh type person. But very, very recently I've started reading a mindfulness book. Yeah. Um, and I, I've done bits of mindfulness over the years, but I think this is like the first time where I'm like, OK, right, I'm going to do this. And I was reading it today and a lot of it was talking about how rather than attaching uh, meaning to your thoughts and sort of going after them and kind of fixating on them or worrying and you know all of this kind of planning and you know worries about the past, worries about the future. If you're just present in the moment. And you allow yourself to have an innate awareness of these feelings rather than engaging in, with them and jumping onto them gives you a better sense of peace and calm. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that for me, my relation to capitalism, because I've, I've come from like Bangor, North Wales, where, yeah, we have capitalism. Yeah, we have shops, but shitloads of them are charity shops, <laughs> like betting shops. So it's not like, you know, you're not kind of thrust into the, the worst bit for capitalism when you're in Bangor is like looking at the Internet. It's really not that bad, you know, walking down the high street. Got a few nice cafes. Whereas moving somewhere like south of England, it's far more in your face that, you know, people have lots of money. You don't have as much money as the other people around you. Yeah. And I'm like, and, and obviously there are people poorer than you as well, but you know, those, those kind of, that striation of society is much more visceral. So I think for me, my response to moving here and having, it'll be coming up to the year anniversary in a couple of weeks three weeks or so is this thing where i'm like this isn't me this isn't my home this is something that i'm doing right now and i'm going through but ultimately this isn't who i am and that connection back to north wales and that connection back to community and that connection back to the people i love and the people i care about even if they're not necessarily living in north wales is something that i hold quite close to me um, I, I think you experienced of, loneliness whilst you're there. Yeah, yeah. Like I think, I think initially when we moved, the fact that I didn't know any of the neighbours mm-hmm. felt really weird. I didn't, I didn't like that. I didn't have my routine. I didn't know where. I mean, I did know where the shops are because I'd looked on Google Maps months beforehand. But like. I I didn't sort of have everything set up. And so that was a kind of immediate priority, but it took me quite a while to kind of get around to all of that. Since then, I like a couple of weeks or maybe a week or so ago, went over to have food and drinks at a neighbor's um, flat. So that that's like, you know, a sort of marker in and of itself. And probably when we're back from North Wales, we're going to invite him around. So it's like, it's that, it's those kind of connections that you start to build. I mean, don't get me wrong, this isn't like a close, small-knit community. It's like it's sort of Stepford Wives-type vibe of a place. But people do know each other a little bit. Like the last couple of days when it's been really sunny, I've had all the windows open and the kids, the neighbourhood kids have been running around and laughing and playing. And it's like, that's like super normal. And it just feels really nice that, you know, there's a little sort of park area amongst, you know, in the middle of the houses. And it's just like, Yes, this is good. Yeah, well, you've just touched on something there where I watch my kids going in a playground or something and they'll just like, you know, the innocence, you know, they'll just like, yeah, I'm going to play with that person there. Oh, yeah. Walk up them and it's just like, oh, that is just amazing and how we are literally supposed to be, isn't it? Yes. Like we we live in groups (laughs) and it's just like the society and, you know, like you think about those adverts, you know, those 11 adverts, they, they are programmed those adverts there's a whole psychological division isn't there of people that are designed when you look at that to make you feel that slight bit of emptiness and that want and that need you know and um but i i think i think that's we we've got to kind of fundamentally fight back against that on so many different levels one capitalism has fucked the planet and therefore we've got to rethink fundamentally how we relate to each other how we relate to the planet how we relate to nature and how we relate to each other two like doing fundamental big things like you're doing which is rejecting social media completely like i think it's fantastic i mean i 
I have an ongoing struggle with social media. Um, and the way I'm ta- trying to tackle it at the moment is by filling up the rest of my time with positive things or work things so that I end up having a balance where I don't look at social media too much. But it's an ongoing struggle. And I think that your sort of clean break has obviously really worked for you. I think that's, that's well, yeah, great. we've got you've talked about your thoughts and this like narrative that you've got in your head. Well, you know, how else am I going to keep in touch with all these people and I'm going to miss out on social events and, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and you know, how can people contact me and stuff? But like you're saying, I've read kind of pretty good books and self help books and when they talk about these thoughts and mindfulness is to just kind of, like you say, own them and realize their thoughts and literally grab that thought and challenge it in your head yeah. and say, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, you know, how are people going to keep in touch with me? I'm not keeping in touch. I'm just, like, reading what they say. Like, yeah. so everyone, I, I, like, said, well, I wouldn't mind, you know, keeping in touch with you. I literally just sent my number to them. Yeah, you know, yeah, so, yeah. So yeah. you tackle that issue. Events, you know, there's, it's not just on Facebook that they're all there. You make sure you get the local paper or something and make sure that you get it. Yeah. So you just kind of yeah, challenge yeah. the thoughts that you have. But I think you do have to be ready. And it's almost, it is an addiction because, you know, Right at the beginning, I think I tried about two or three times and I kept relapsing. You know, mm. thinking, oh, no, I, mm. you know, I do need to get this, but it just became instantly. It's like the alcoholic that had that one one drink will be all right. And then before you know it, again, you, you're on it three or Back four hours it. a day, you know? Yeah, no, for And we sure, know the, sure. the, the, the bad things going on with Facebook and stuff as well. And at the end of the day, if the service is free, they are monetizing <laughs> you. You know, that yeah, is the rule. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Talk I about think, advertising, think... you just want to touch on one thing that's really bothering yeah. me, all right? I pay £35 a year for Sky. Right. And I do it because I... £35 a pounds year? a month, sorry. Okay, that was <laughs> a fucking deal there. Yeah, <laughs> £35 a month for Sky, and I do it because I love football and I want to watch football. Sure. I pay them £35 a month, but every time I want to watch a video for the Sky app, I still need to watch an advert, <laughs> and I can't skip it. That After is After paying £35 a month. Oh, I felt good. Sorry, Dan. It's all good. It's all good. We need to kind of fundamentally renew our relationship with each other and try and have more genuine experiences. So for me, kind of one of the things is just using tech less and trying to maintain friendships more. And like one of the one of the things that came out of um I messaged loads of people on LinkedIn um, trying to get some endorsements for my profile. And one of the people I messaged was an old school. Well, he's not really even really a school friend, old friend that I've known since I was about, I want to say seven or eight. And we haven't like seen each other in bloody donkey's years, but I messaged him, we chatted a bit and like decided we'd meet up when I was back up in North Wales. So it's like, it's those kind of things where it's like, hey, that's someone that I used to really get on with and you know, want to socialise with. But it, it goes from like, well, obviously, we haven't actually physically met up yet, but it can go from like a, an online connection to, hey, this is a person that I actually want to spend time with and hang out with. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. And like everything, it's a cost benefit thing, isn't it? That you've got to make a decision for yourself. Like, is the shit I'm taking from this service or whatever or experience yeah. worth it for the good I'm getting off it? And yeah. it's like everything else. But I think like, my me- no, it's not a message, it's not like being preachy this, but like everybody should know that being lonely is like, ev- I think everyone is lonely to some extent. Yeah. And because the inherent, yeah, I think the inherent feeling of loneliness though, makes you feel obviously that it's just you isn't it because that is what loneliness is 
yeah. But I, but I think like everybody should know that like they have to be this is like the final four. This on my own bloody topic, but no, 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 <laughs> I no. Just no. Feel we're like not, we're not having we're not having any final thoughts yet. <laughs> no, no. I think like people should should be aware that. Like everyone out there's only we've seen it through like the the work that we do, and people shouldn't feel guilty because like what we're saying here is like the system wants you to be lonely, yeah, yeah. you know, and like you say, we can take steps day by day by you know if you want to get off social media or certain elements or decide to no, I'm not monetizing yeah. that that is just my hobby or this that and the other, but it's difficult, isn't it, because you're having to fight back and yeah form like yeah, societal yeah. norms or what people are trying to tell you and this that and the other. Um, it seems like everybody's got like needs to have like a side hustle these days. Where did that ever come from? <laughs> you know what too, I mean? So. Too, too many fucking you know impressive people. I I can't be fucked with any of that. I mean, to be fair, like technically, I guess this podcast would count as a side hustle, but it's fundamentally not making us any money, and we're doing it because it's a laugh. So it I, it does probably doesn't qualify yeah. as a as a side hustle. But yeah, 100%. I mean, I think I think that. From quite, I don't know when I started being lonely, but for a significant portion of my adolescence, I was deeply lonely, and it led to some really, I, I can't sort of fully fully understand or analyse kind of where I where I went or how I got there, but some very dark thoughts and suicidal thoughts and self harm and all of that kind of heavy stuff, and I had a lot of thoughts where I thought I'm alone no one really likes me and I had a lot of thoughts where I felt like no one cared and I was the only person who I don't think I ever felt like I was the only person who thought like that but I did genuinely think very little of myself to the extent where I thought that people didn't really want to spend time with me mm-hmm. and I, as I've kind of grown up and I've mostly left those thoughts behind and I've got a different perspective on life now I still feel that my my needs for social contact are different to a lot of other people in that I just don't need it as much. Like I, I want it and when I have it, I really enjoy it and mm-hmm. I tend to crave it more because it's almost like I've kind of not had it enough for a while. It's mm-hmm. like drinking water when you're really thirsty but at the same time, like, if I'm not really into it, if the if the people I'm spending time with aren't really stimulating me in the way that I want to be stimulated, I, c- I can find it really exhausting. So my relationship with being social is, I wouldn't say it's that unusual per se, but I would say that sort of typically I have a much lower need for friends than the average person. Having said that, my one of my long term life goals is to have a group of friends who like like I I like I mean I'm I don't know when I'll get married but you know when people get married and they have a stag do and those people in their stag do they all know each other and they're all mates and it's it's perfectly natural that they go off and you know do whatever on the stag do together I've never had that and I mean I've never been on a stag do but like Mm. I've I've never had that kind of thing, and I think at some point in my life I'd really like to have that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like my my sort of I don't do a massive amount of socialising while I'm at, whilst I'm at uni, but I do a lot of different voluntary things, and I'm kind of hoping that some of these connections that I'm making now could be long term connections and could be sort of 
me forming a barrier between my own personality and the void of like you know the room and the mirror and being by yourself again mm-hmm. and that kind of yeah it's it's a oh overall quite you know optimistic and hopeful that things can change but at the same time i right now i don't have that many people i speak to on a regular basis and almost all of the friendships that i have are fractured in the most of the time they don't know each other and so it wouldn't be natural to kind of group them together so i'll tell you i'd I'd say i'm less lonely than i used to be but i'm still quite lonely yeah well fair play to you for being honest man i mean it's uh you know it's good to share bloody hell but i will tell you that um regarding the the stag do thing (laughs) <laughs> and it's a nice thing for you to have, really, and a nice image and stuff. Now, then, I've been on a few stag do's, and <laughs> I've been on on some of them where the groom, or basically the person, doesn't have any friends. And, like, e- the, everybody's there thinking, like, why have I been invited? <laughs> I've been on a few with those, seriously, now. Yeah, and, yeah. It, and it just reinforces the amount of, you know... I suppose loneliness that is out there yeah, and I know that yeah, people have been asked for, to be best men in weddings where I don't yeah. know this guy so you know please don't think what I'm trying to tell you is please don't think that this is like a, that unusual everybody thing. has that yeah no, that I it's mean, unusual yeah that's what I was that's what I basically mean I, no yeah. I, I I know that I know that and that's kind of if I did ever get married and you know was to sort of go for a stag do I would probably only do it. I mean, for one, I'd only invite people that I actually was close friends with. I wouldn't invite people who are sort of half friends just to make up the numbers. Yeah. You know, there'd, there'd be nothing fucking worse than sort of staring around at a room of 20 people who you kind of know. Yeah. And none of them know each other. It would be shit. It is tough. So, that can be tough. Yeah. And sometimes the, you go on the stag do's again is a, a classic situation where you come across that. And sometimes it's that inherent thing, like, you can speak, you can have a chat with somebody and you can be absolutely fine, but you just can't get on with them, you know, you know, like, <laughs> oh, once this stag do's over, I am never speaking yeah, to this guy ever again. Yeah, and yeah. he hasn't done anything wrong, it's really pleasant, but this is yeah. like that thing that, <laughs> yeah. but I think I, I'm exactly the same with you when it comes to like that dosage that you need of like that connection and cool. stuff and, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and quality always goes over, over quantity and, I, and I've gone through the, the quite similar, the the standard story, I think, of like kid in the 30s and all that, and like your friendship will just, you know, shrink yeah, down. Yeah, but yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that has been a positive thing. Really. <laughs> it, it really has. It's been a positive thing. And I only have a handful that I think that, you know, you think, well, we can pick up the phone to and, I don't know, say some serious shit. And there's not yeah, many, you know, yeah, no, at the end you, of the day. I, I think, but, I um, think it's, it's kind of, it, it does feel quite nice. As as a, I think part of my learning, part of my growth and my journey, has been realizing that my self-esteem and my sense of self-worth doesn't have to come from what other people think of me or the feedback that I get from other people. It can yeah. be something fundamental about how I see myself, and I think yeah. that it's probably only in the last maybe two or three years that that's really started to sort of settle in for me. And I'm nowhere near the end of that. Process. You've touched upon something now that, like, um, probably triggered my first proper real, oh shit, and lonely <laughs> moment. And it, it right. was university. Oh, so, like, yeah, this yeah. really bothers me, where obviously I was quite lucky in the respect of 
well, I say lucky. Where did when you, I went where to, did, when, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Where did you go for your first? Liverpool, John Moores. Oh, fair play. Nice, nice city to go as a student. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not too far away either, obviously, from home, mm. which is, you know, calculated within it. But, um, you know, I was lucky. I was in the cohort where, obviously, tuition fees at that point were £3,000 a year, which was, you know, obviously a lot more palatable than the ridiculousness that it is now. Mm. But again, I thought, like, from an advertising point of view, you know, at university, this is it, you know, look how fantastic, you're free from your parents, you go, your life's great, yeah, woo, and all this. And then you arrive. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. And then you arrive, and you are in a tiny room with a tiny window that is, you know, in a bad state of repair by yourself. Yeah. You just, like, you find yourself there. And then you're you're thrown into a house with like three or four others, and then very clear like on the first few couple of years it was like a disgrace. Look, you know, I can get on with anyone, and, and there you know, just throw you in there, and you just yeah, get yeah, on yeah. with these people, and so you go out every day like, and the pe- people fair play they they start like doing these groups, so they they oh yeah we're like this block we're going out tonight, so I'm thinking oh I need to go, you know, because otherwise if you don't try then you, you're definitely yeah, yeah, you yeah, yeah. buy your ticket to the lottery, then you go out and you find bloody hell like can't get on with these, and they've got a total different backgrounds to me, I'm from like the country, these guys are from like. <laughs> Belfast and Newcastle and they're way, you know, just like (laughs) totally different. And then I I just found myself naturally like receding, you know, thinking, oh, because I did really try at the beginning and I found myself receding back to, you know, Mm. the sanctuary of like university room and stuff like that. And yeah, I remember that was the point where I probably didn't realize it at the time that it, that I was, even though I did feel only. But looking looking back, it was just like, Jesus Christ, you know, suddenly isolated, which I know isn't obviously the thing. But, you know, luckily on my, on my last year, just like I, I went into a house with them um, and, and like we, the majority of us got on very well and I'm still very good friends with them today. But I'm, I just feel like people should know when going to university, it's tough, you know, and just like being thrown into that. And, and I mm-hmm. feel like it's this utopian thing to go to university, best years of your life. Are they fucked? You're stressed. You don't know anyone. You can't cook. You haven't got any money. How's that going to be the best fucking time of your life? So it's a lesson again. Where it doesn't matter where you are, we link older people with loneliness. But mate, it can happen at any time. And uh, and my 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 experience at uni was fairly similar in that, like, I I was quite a sort of geeky teenager, and therefore a lot of the socialising that people did in their teenage years, going to house parties and getting drunk and hanging out with their friends and stuff. I didn't really do much of that. I did a little bit of it, but mm. not not overly, you know, not not too much. So when I came to uni, I, I mean, it still happens to me now. I'll walk into a bar and I won't be able to identify all of the drinks behind the bar. It's still like, oh, what's that? It's still quite a kind of novel experience for me. And at uni, that was particularly the case. And so I remember, like, the first night out, it was like Freshers' Week, I think it was like the Saturday. Everyone had arrived on Friday and Saturday, and we were all going out on the Saturday night. And we had a couple of peer guides with us. Um, I'm not sure whether John Moores did it, but Bangor had this whole um, setup where they would allocate freshers to peer guides. So the peer guides were supposed to welcome you in, make you feel comfortable, that kind of thing. And That's a good idea, yeah. Oh, it was fucking, it was great. And like the, the people I, I was with were were sound and then I also got on with some other peer guys later on and stuff. It was like it was quite good. But I was quite 
obsessively career minded and obsessively academic. So I sort of I fucked my opportunity really to make decent friends because I was just so heavily into my books and volunteering that nothing else existed. And I mean, I've I've had, you know, sort of a similar-ish experience here, except where there have been decent social opportunities, I've I've done them. But like, I've, I've, I, I guess it's just, it's your priorities and it's your choices. And I think that when you're younger and less sure of yourself, it's far more difficult to make those choices in a, in a positive, well-informed way. I think yeah. it's far easier to kind of, Self-awareness either, and stuff. Yeah, self-awareness. Either to like go down a rabbit hole of your own sort of, you know, what do you call it, blinkers on, or the other way you get swayed and you get sort of into whatever else the crowd is into and doing whatever else they're doing rather than thinking about what you might want to do or how you might want to yeah, see things. Yeah, but there's an argument of that. You go along with the crowd and just, I just saw I'm not alone. You can be lonelier, I think, like doing that yeah. than, than yeah. being in that room alone, can't you, really? Yeah, that's true. But it's, uh, nah, yeah, it's, and it's a horrible feeling, loneliness as well. I mean, fucking there's research in it. It's like smoking 20 a day or something, isn't it? Apparently, like, to your health. And... Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Dan, you. we've rambled on for about 45 minutes, so you, you get the final thoughts. Go on, going on loneliness, how fucked are we? And, you know, is it, are we doomed? How can we fight back against this? Well, is it normal? Loneliness... Touching on what we just said there, loneliness is definitely terminal. Um, if you don't have any friends right now, I would highly recommend you get one, even if it's just a little. Or, or, I'll, I'll be crucified for this, but the little ball that uh, was it Tom Hanks had in Castaway, <laughs> Wilson, Wilson, yeah, everyone needs a Wilson. Yeah. I I find that making making friends with your own company is one of the best ways of fighting that loneliness. I think also realising that fundamentally there's very few people in the world that will stick through, stick with you through the worst times and will stick with you through to the end. I think also loving yourself. I mean, people often say it in relationships, but I think it applies to any form of relationship, whether it's a romantic one or otherwise you've got to love yourself before you can love anyone else and so if you're feeling lonely one of the best reactions to that is to start getting excited and entertained about your own company and start engaging in things that stimulate you and bring you a lot of satisfaction without people being around you and then when those opportunities come along to socialize and you get on well with people and and you know that they're, they're the kind of people that you want to spend time with nurture it and take advantage not take advantage nurture it and look after it and welcome it because those relationships can grow and blossom and support you in ways that you probably wouldn't initially appreciate and then just so we can kind of go back to the topic of the day ultimately fighting against loneliness is an act of revolution because whether whether you know i don't think there's any companies out there who are genuinely going after the human psyche but most most of capitalism is set up to make us feel inadequate and shit and alone and hollow and empty so when you reach out for genuine human connection 
It's like sticking a massive middle finger up against big fat cats making money out of you. You just go into a fucking forest and go for a walk with some friends. Like, go and have a beer, walk up a mountain, dive into a river, do some stupid shit, because that's what being human means. It isn't about fucking being on social media or fucking, like, ordering takeaway from fucking Deliveroo or whatever other bullshit there is. Love people. <laughs> yeah, it's true, isn't it? Because, if, like, if we all, like, say no to buying products and services and shit and just end up, like, hanging out together, capitalism's fucked. So it's a exactly. great way of hanging back. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's a nice idea, Dan, but... I'm gonna, still going to say it. we are all fucked, though, aren't we? We, we, are, we are all fucked. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks for this week, mate. See you next week. Been good. Take care.